0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's John Kahn from ESPN with me, Craig Hoffman, him, Logan Paulson. Uh, All right, so quarterback, speaking of, all of a sudden, it appears that Sam Howell is on track to be QB one. Uh, what's what's the latest intel there? And then I'd love to kind of bat this idea around because I actually think this is a great thing for a couple of reasons. But what's what's the from the, the reporting intel side, John? What have you been hearing over the weekend?
1: Well, I think the only question is who presents him in Canton. I think that's what that's the only question left. Like who's <laughs> who's going to give him the gold jacket? No, um, <clears throat> listen. I think what what it is, and and I I joke because I, obviously there's. First of all, we're going to have about seven months of speculation about what could Sam Howell do in 2023, which I think is actually based off what he showed in that last game. Is it's you know it's not the worst thing. It's like, I mean, he certainly showed traits, and he showed traits in college too. So it's not it's not a bad thing. I think where where we're at with it is first of all he's going in well. Whenever they cut Carson Wentz, he'll be the only quarterback under contract on the roster. You know who is on the 53. So there's a natural. Yeah, this is the guy. They're still going to look for somebody else, but more so sounds like to compete with him. And if not, if they don't win the job, then you're going to back him up. Who can who can be that guy? And it could be Taylor Heineke. It could be someone else of that caliber, a guy who would be considered a a very solid back, a high end backup, but a guy who can go out there and win, you know, if he has to start five or six games, can win three or four for you. So that's that's kind of like where it seems like they're going to go with this. Now you always have to leave out that well you never know because what if so and so becomes available and all it takes is x and you know you and you love that guy in the past like you know what do you do but right now the signs point to the other and again I think it goes back to a lot that these guys liked him before the draft uh, and I think they would have cons- and I've talked about this before, but they would have drafted him higher had they not traded for Carson Wentz. So I think they, you know, there was, it was, it's not like hindsight hearing that they liked him. It was before the draft I heard what, that they liked him, at least certainly some over there liked him. And um, so I think there's legit intrigue and optimism about him but I think you have to then get. That's why it's going to be important. The coordinator, somebody who can who has worked with young quarterbacks and knows how to develop them, and somebody whose system, as Logan said, protects the quarterback as well. That's going to be a big deal because you're you're not going to just go out there and start flinging the ball 40 times a game with Sam Howell next year. You want to put him in a good spot. And I think we saw the other day, in one game, small sample size, but you saw some of what he can do in certain situations. So. You know, I, I think there is a definite intrigue and optimism about him, but I think they also aren't ready to just say he's absolutely the number one going into the season. It's in the off season. He's going to go and there's a number one, going to bring someone else in there to compete and then see where it goes. But he's got yeah. a good start on it.
3: I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think like in the last week, you know, of the season, like after the, the victory over Dallas, like that's what everyone was talking about in the building. That's kind of the direction it seemed it was going. Mm-hmm. So now that it's here, it's, it's really not surprising. Uh, you know, I, I agree with John. I think he's got some traits. I think you feel excited about him. I think the thing that is more uh, kind of dubious, in my opinion, is like can they hit on two offensive linemen this offseason? Right. That becomes like the bigger question, in my opinion, because like you can make this work. I think you like look at Seattle. I think Seattle is a very interesting kind of juxtaposition. You have a, a guy who's been a journeyman quarterback, comes in, plays really well. But you also get two rookie offensive linemen who were taken yeah. very high, who hit and played very well for them mm-hmm. for most of the season. And their offense played as they played. When those two young tackles played well, the offense was good. When they played poorly, the offense was bad. And so, to me, like, yes, it's, it's exciting to kind of draft a young offensive lineman. But look at Evan Neal, for example. Look at Iki Aquanu. Like, it took those guys a couple of weeks, and Evan Neal is still figuring it out. Correct. Right. So, how do you
1: shore it up that Thomas you? A couple it? took Andrew Thomas a year or so to figure it out. Yep. A year. Right.
3: Like, a full year. Yeah. Now he's one of the best right. guys in the NFL, but it great. took him a year yeah. to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, I think that that's something that it's, it's, it seem, like it seems like it's close, right? It seems like, oh, yeah, like, there's the door. We just got to walk through it. But I think it's a smaller margin for error than people think. And I think that, yeah. to me, becomes the more interesting storyline. Because I, I agree, Sam showed traits, yeah. he showed qualities, right. yeah. and he's got, you know, like, all those things are good. But unless you find a way to make sure that he's not at a buffet table every time he's playing a defense, like, that's going to be tough. And you got to hit on on two positions that traditionally evaluate very easily, and it should be good to hit them, right? They get, like, yeah. the offensive line compared to, corner are tend right. to be easier evaluations, for example, but the the timetable isn't always immediately a good football Correct. player. And so right. if you're Ron, like how do you manage some of that risk?
1: That's a good point. And I would I I do have to point out that only a former run blocking tight end the NFL would say as exciting as it would be to draft a lineman in the first round, <laughs> nobody else is going to say that. So that's I, I I have to smile at that one. Hey,
2: if, if if you asterisk it with lets you start Sam Howell, the fan base is in. We don't, yeah. if we can draft a punter in the first round and that lets everybody start Sam Howell. Well, I guess that's a bad example because no, be Tress mad. is here. It'd be so mad because Tress is so good. But you get the point. It does. If we could draft a lungs another lung snapper. All due respect to Cameron Cheeseman, and it meant Sam Howell started. The fan base would be psyched.
1: Yes, they would be. But I will say to Logan's point: yes, it's very difficult to get a guy to come in to do it. I think the other key is you need to really build up that depth on the line if you're going yeah. to play this kind of style of football. And I yeah. don't think it's really the two to one ratio is you're not going to achieve that. Some no, games, I also feel like, like that quote
2: got taken terribly out of context. Like I feel I like what you talked like, about is that he was talking specifically about the Dallas game. That like because was, the I, game flow. And they got to right. two to one and that's how it worked out. Everyone's like, that's the goal. It's like, no, it's not. He was talking about the game yesterday. What are you well, guys saying?
1: I think he's talking about that. I think it's also the mentality of how you want to be. And I think in their minds, it's two to one comes from, you know, you're having success early and then you take a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, right? Icing it away with the run game. Well, that's every coach's dream scenario, but, right. you know, but I do think it speaks more to the mentality of what they want to be as much as whatever the numbers are two to one. Again, you're not going to achieve that certainly maybe in some games you will, but overall you're, it's just, it's really hard. So, but it's the mentality of how you want to be. You want to be that bait like Kyle Shanahan's offense is based a lot off the run game, but they're not, 60-40 run, right. they're pretty close to 50-50, but so much of that 50-50 is based off an element of the the element of the run game. And like, which I, and I know Logan, you love, but I love, I love watching that offense for that reason, but it's so much based off, you know, they want to do this and it looks like this, yet it's a pass. So it, to me, that's all based off the run mentality and the run game. And so I think that's, I think that's what they'd like to be. So you get that run heavy, you know, and, and you get the play action off of that in addition to the quick game. But so I think the question there too, along the line is, do you push Sam Cosby inside? And I, my guess is that's my guess is that's what ultimately happens. And you go find the right tackle in the first round. Maybe if there's somebody there, I, the other thing is like, I don't, I would not force a pick at, at 16, as far as the line goes, right. It's gotta be somebody that you like. And I've when teams force that, then you end up in trouble. Now, part of the reason why I think linemen hit a little bit more, because if you do force a tackle, you take a tackle, let's say, let's say you take a tackle at number five and he shows in the first camp that he can't be a tackle. You can make him an all pro guard. Right. And then he signs with Jacksonville a few years later, but you
0: know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so you can,
1: so you can, but you, but it gives you more hit ability right. because of that. But if you're pushing Cosme inside, you need this guy to hit as a tackle. So right. get, get a good tackle there if you can. And I would take another guy in the first several rounds. i I'd try to add another couple of picks in those first few, four rounds to then get another guard in there, a guard center or center, somebody else inside. Because if you're going to play that style, you better have strong replacements. And I think one of the issues that they had this year is they didn't replace the starters they lost well, but the ones they did elevate – um, it then like guys that should have been depth guys ended up starting and it t- robs your depth. So right. you know, I think that's, that's something they have to work out, but it is a, to me, that is the number one thing. All the other stuff aside, you can mask some things with the, with the coordinator and the play calls, but you need to have that strong line. And that's what Rivera said he wants to build. They have a really good defensive line right now with, with the addition of Ridgeway and we'll see what Mathis becomes and then if they keep paying, you have an excellent defensive line rotation. Right. Um, but right. can you get that in the O-line? I think that remains to be seen. And that is the number one job this offseason.
2: Yeah. A couple of things just to tack on there. Um, there's a reason why Warren Sharp uh, does a lot of his stats on first and second down in the first half. Yes. Um, and when you talk about right. like the predictability of emphasis. these types of things, the mm-hmm. the ratios, um, how often you run or pass on first down, like he limits it to those situations because game flow tends to dictate a lot of the larger things. Right. So like Correct. better teams run the football more because they're up in games. And so by the end, like the ratios are messed up, but what do they look like? Correct. How did they get the lead? Um, so that's something that'll be interesting. We'll have to have Warren back on the show. I'm sure you've and, had Warren and, before to talk on your show about those things and how Washington approaches it.
1: Right. And, and what, what I think the other interesting part of that too, is like, when, you know, because there, there is the desire that you want, you have guys who can be explosive on the outside with those three receivers, all can be have a level of explosiveness that can help this offense. How do you get them involved with it? When do you get them involved with it? And then when do you take your shots? And so if you go to the Kyle model, a lot of those shots are first down play action. And he's right. really good with that because of that. And I think, you, you know, because again, you know that they want to run the ball and they make it look that way, but you run the heavy play action off of that. And it leads to some bigger plays and then other plays come within like the other day, we saw them getting the ball to Samuel on some shorter throws, but they create space with the, with the, um, with alignment, with, with route combos, et cetera. And then suddenly you have Debo Samuel running away from guys underneath and turning a five yard catch into a 25 yard gain. I think, you know, we saw an element of that with Dotson in the, in the, in the finale. So, yeah. You know, that that too. I don't even know how I got on that part. Oh, you're talking about the first and second downs. So it is, it's just a way, how do you get to certain things? And you're right. It's not just as simple as looking at a percentage of run pass. Because then the other thing with that, that always kind of drives me nuts, a little bit nuts, and Logan, maybe you can talk more on this. But when you have, I remember just talking to people in the past, like the run pass ratio of 50-50, it doesn't always tell you if you're balanced or it doesn't tell you if you're balanced or not. The balance to me comes in, Logan, the value your input here, but it comes on what kind of runs are you using? What kind of throws are you using? How are you using people? It, so even within the run game, just because you run it 50% of the time doesn't mean you're balanced. What if you're running the same things off of the same action, et cetera? How do you get to those runs? I think that's where – and how do you get to those passes? That to me is where the true balance is, and that's a, that's a much deeper dive than, than, than I can do.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I just want to, I think that's a great point. Like I hate that. One of my least favorite statistics in the NFL is when they say person X runs the ball 30 times, they win the game. It's, right. it's a spurious <laughs> correlation. It, yes, it, it, yes. It's correlated because they're being really efficient on first and second down and they they have a high third down conversion rate. Those metrics are more indicative, right? So to me, it's not the running necessarily that gets you there. It's that Like you're saying, it's the balance and it's the rhythm. It's mm-hmm. like, so I'm, I'm going to go back to the San Francisco game here. And it was like, Scott was like, he, was, he, he knew that they needed to run the football. So they came out and they ran the football. And they just ran it and they just bashed their head against the wall. A different offensive coordinator takes that and they say, how do we loosen this up to get back to the run? Let's throw the football off of play action, off of keeper, off of screen, whatever it is, off of kind of some misdirection action to open up the pass concept and get them out of these kind of heavy run structures and then get back to the run. The balance comes off of that type of rhythm. It's not give the running back 30 touches and you're going to win the game. Like that's just, that's not how that works. Right. So I think understand having someone that understands that and understands that they can support a young quarterback with that is something that's really important. So it's like, it goes back to the coordinator thing. You need to have someone who's familiar with that. Kubiak is kind of like the first disciple of Mike, Mike Shanahan. You know, then Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, all those guys, they run a version of this offense. They run a version of this. uh, And I don't think anyone would say those offenses aren't explosive. They are explosive offenses. They find good chunk plays. They insulate the quarterback. They give them easy decisions. Like look at Justin Jefferson. They're running a version of this Kyle Shanahan offense. Right. And he's leading the NFL in, in explosive plays. Like, that's what you can get out of this. So it's not this arcane, let's go back to this two-in-one, like, leather helmets thing. It's like, that is innovative offense. And you need someone who understands that innovation and that level of nuance. So I think that's something that's interesting. But kind of back to the original point, it's like, how how do you put them in the best position to do that? Sam Howell, how do you make sure you get good offensive linemen to do that? And how do you make sure you get a coordinator that can do that? So it's all there. Like, the path is there. It's just it's, it's a tough road. It can it's, I think the margin for error on this is a little bit smaller than a lot of fans want to want to acknowledge. I want to say,
2: right. But at <laughs> the same time, like this is what drives me nuts when it's like, well, how they want to run the ball, but I got to get the ball to the playmakers. If only there was a way they could do both by finding some balance in playing one off the other. It's like, the the biggest failing of Scott Turner's 2022 season as the offensive coordinator, I'll leave, limit it to just this season, is the lack of play-action use because their run game was so effective at times, and play-action is how you generate big plays most often in the NFL, and they did not use it enough, and they did not leverage the things they did well and the skill sets they have to create big, explosive plays, and it's just so disappointing, and ultimately, it's why... I think his his removal is justified, even though there's a bunch of other structural issues that you could easily point to and say, well, how is he expected to perform under these circumstances? Well, you evaluate the job that he did and you go, he didn't maximize, come close to maximizing what he had, even if any reasonable person would have wanted more from their quarterback, from their offensive line, et cetera. And by the way, the things that he didn't do would have helped those pieces be better. And that is the frustrating part where it's just, there's this gigantic, somewhat obvious gap that just was never filled throughout the season.
1: Well, and I, to that point, it is funny because you'd hear it would be widespread, but certainly there was a lot of dissatisfaction with Scott. And I think, you know, not just in the fan base. I mean, I think if you you certainly knew the players were frustrated, especially at the end, that's when it started to come out a lot more and that the risk was less in getting rid of him than it was in bringing him back. Because if it didn't, if it didn't improve, then you've, you've, you've completely lost the team and you, that was a big risk. But to the point um, with what you're saying, I'd hear like, I'd hear from people like the line sucks. The quarterback sucks. They got to fire Scott Turner. Well, it's kind of hard. If you think that they don't have that, then, then how is, what is he supposed to do? However, I know I, I do remember um back in the day when Kyle was there, was here calling plays. And I always like it's funny because like Kyle's become like this the um Graham Pooba of Washington Playbook College or whatever, but he was really, really good. And I and you know I do remember like I, you know, maybe he's Yoda for them, but I do remember there was dissatisfaction with him among the fan base, partly because they got they didn't maybe they didn't like Mike, and so they didn't like Kyle by extension. Um, whatever. And I also know, I don't know that it was a majority, but you heard it, right? But I remember in 2011, watching his offense and watching guys like Dante Stalworth and Jabar Gaffney at the end of their careers, getting open on these route concepts. And I'm like, well, it's there. So like this stuff is working. It's just that you had um, John Beck and Rex Grossman throwing passes to him. And like Rex, they would move the ball then you get in the red zone, he's throwing a pick. You know, and, and sometimes Rex just, Rex knew he couldn't help himself sometimes. Like, you know, it's kind of like a guy, but it's like, it's like a guy who wants to go on a diet and it's like, my God, that cherry pie looks good. All I need is some ice cream on it, a la mode. And there we go. And now next thing you know, that diet, you're like all this commitment to the diet is over in within a couple hours. Right. That's a little bit how Rex was throwing the ball. Like he wanted to take care of, it, wanted to take care of it. And then you see something that's like, Oh, oh baby. Let's go. And that, and then it would be a pick. So, but what the point of it is, you saw that the offense worked and you wondered more so, like, what would it look like with better talent there? Because again, within after that year, Gaffney and Stalworth are out of the league and, you know, you didn't hear from Bex or, or from Beck or Grossman again in the NFL. I mean, Grex was here as a backup, but that's it. So, you know, but you saw it, you saw it work. You saw the chess game that he would play to get guys open and how things married, et cetera, the concepts. And that's always a big thing. The marriage, as you know, like in mean, Cooley we talk about this, Logan, you talk about the marriage of concepts for the run in the pass game. And I thought that sometimes that was a hard thing to see as well, because you didn't always see guys getting lulled in hard by play action when they did run it. And why was that? And that's you know, is it was it was it formation um tendencies preventing that you know what what was it about that that you are you running it out of certain looks that you don't really run the ball out of enough to to fool God? i don't know so there's just a lot of things but anyway that's a, i'm rambling on that but that there, they kind of i think i was backing up your point i think <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> no you were you were
2: all right last thing i want to talk about on the quarterback front to me this is actually a uh kind of fortuitous development in this way. There, I had a huge concern that um, Rivera was going to spend big on quarterback. It wasn't going to work. And big, big could have been monetarily. It could have been draft capital. Like some sort of uh, capital that you use to acquire a premier quarterback uh, or a premier quarterback prospect. And that it was going to go sideways and he was going to get removed by the new owner uh, at some point, either after next year or during next year. And then you have this same stupid uh, alignment that you've had in the last couple of coaches where Kyle uh, and Mike come in and inherit quarterback. They draft a quarterback is kind of forced on them by ownership. uh, And then things go sideways. Eventually they get fired. Then Jay comes in, he inherits Robert. Eventually he's able to get to Kirk. They don't hold on to Kirk, you know, and then you get Jay and Dwayne, like the whole, the whole misalignment of coaching quarterback. And then we were on that path again. What Sam Howell, uh, being the favorite because uh, it's not locked in by any means but the favorite to be QB1 no. does is say, all right Ron, let's see what you can do with this guy. if it works out well, then you've got your quarterback and you can continue. and if it doesn't, then the new owner can hire a new GM and a new yeah. coach and that that new person can come in and, uh, as a quarterback. And I think it's very fortuitous because there is it's the job of an owner or a team president to have a longer view than the coach. And in this particular case, the owner's view ends sometime later this year. There is no team president on the football side. It is Ron Rivera, essentially. And then all of a sudden, the next most powerful person is either the head coach in this particular case or the GM who is tied to the head coach in this particular case. So to me, John, like the commanders kind of dodge a bullet here. One, I actually think it's probably the best option is to build around Sam and invest in other places. And this is actually... Even with a longer view, probably the best strategy, unless something unforeseen becomes available at that position. But it also prevents them from getting in this rut, and I think that is a uh, kind of a fortuitous bounce, if you will, of organizational luck for an organization that doesn't seem to get very many lucky bounces very often.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that would be, you know, and it's funny because I'm a if if there's a quarterback coming out like you're Jacksonville and you have the number one pick and it's Trevor Lawrence regardless of who the coach, you're taking that person, right? It's right. a no brainer pick because anybody in your position is going to take him. So any coach is going to want to work with him. It's harder when you have other, some other quarterbacks, maybe that you're not sure what the new group thinks of them. And so like with Chicago, with Justin Fields, you took him in the, you know, kind of m- almost mid first for a little bit, you know, I guess in that 10 to 15 range um, in the first round. So, like, does a new group like him or not? And do they make it work with them? And you've got a year to see. And if it doesn't work, then you can go with somewhere else. But you do feel like, well, you you have to see if it works with this guy. And, and you know, so, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're – would you take a first-round pick this year? No, I wouldn't do that. And I don't think they will either. Um, I don't know that anybody in this – I don't know that the guy they would want to develop would be there at 16 anyway. And I don't think you're going to want to trade up and expend the capital to get that guy this year. So, um, so yeah, I think that's not a bad setup and I would,
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I don't have a problem if they say we're going to build around Sam Howell. If that's what they're going to say, like, I get it. You know, I is, is he is he the long-term answer? I don't know. But is he, you know, is he a higher level than, does he have a higher ceiling than a Heineke? Yes, he does. Because he's Heineke with a stronger arm in some cases. And so I think you can, I think it's justified to go that way. But I'd also have a strong guy right there with him. Because if it doesn't, then you want that. And also not only that, but there are guys, I think one of the things and that I think that Wentz and Heineke deserve credit for is their willingness, I think, to help him. And yeah. I think they were. I think that sounds like it was a very good QB room. It doesn't always happen that way. I've seen it the opposite here, and you, no. you know, so you, here
2: with some of the yeah, folks yeah. that have come believe, through,
1: believe it or not, it, it, there were some times where it was not <laughs> harmonious in that room. But I think it's 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 hard to get guys like I think this is where I always bring up a guy like Jacoby Brissett, only because it's the level and the professionalism that the guy has that you know he can go in and play. And, and, and if he doesn't, you know, he can handle the other role as well. Cause it's what he's always done. Same with Heineke. I know he'd be okay backing up Howell because he likes him a lot. So you need a guy who can do both things for you. And if they're not starting, they're not going to, they're going to help the guy versus work to, to, you know, to not help him. Um, so I think that's a lot of what, you know, I think you're looking for at that position, but um, so, but yeah, I think you're like, I, when Chicago took, took Justin Fields, my first, as an Ohio State guy, I'm like, I don't like that pick for him because you knew that they were going to probably change coaches within a year. And so then you're going to have to learn another system and all that. And it makes it hard on a young quarterback. Um, and so much of that success or failure for young quarterbacks is based on where do you go? What plan do they have for you? How much time are they willing to give you? And I think for Howell, that's also certainly the case. And And the higher the draft pick you are, the more time they give you. So Howell actually found himself in a really good spot, where as a fifth round pick, playing one game, one start, that he's already intriguing enough to to go in a certain direction in one off season. You know. Yeah, I rambled Definitely. there. I don't even know what direction I was going, but <laughs> that's so, what happens
2: when you're an hour into the podcast. If yeah, people just... if people continue to listen the whole hour through, they get rewarded with a good. Quality, John Kime Ramble. Ramble. It was good. It was awesome. I
3: don't disagree with anything you said, John. So,
2: Same. Uh, Anything else that anybody wants to say before this podcast ends?
1: No. Okay. (laughs) Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Can you still say, is it, is it? I guess it's still happy new year. It's January. We're doing this in January 17th. Is it still happy yeah. new year?
2: I feel like Chris Berman was always big on the, let me be the first or the last, depending on something around a holiday. Like it's a couple of days after things be like, yeah. let me be the first to wish you. And you'd be like, okay, boomer. It's a little early, but thanks for your hearts in the right place. Thanks for the well wishes through my television. Now let's rumble and bumble and stumble into some highlights. Shall we? There you go. All right. Uh, John Kime, uh, John Kime Report podcast, anywhere you're listening to this podcast or watching, if you're on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Empire Media page for that A-M-P-I-R-E. I Got that right, I think? Spelling not go. always my strong, strong suit, but uh, Bram did a good job naming the company something that rhymes. Uh, you can also read his work at ESPN.com. Uh, follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. Anything else, John, that uh, your in- Instagram?
1: I'm on Instagram. It's, I think it's John Kime ESPN. So it is, it is not anything. It is John Kime ESPN.
2: There you go. Cause you, you put, you put some news and nuggets and film I stuff, do put up yeah. some on there stuff up too. there.
1: And you so. know, Instagram for me has become a very big culinary place Ooh. that you know, the hard part, cause like you find one thing you like on there and next thing you know, you get bombarded with stuff. And yes. you know, I, I, I found some stretches that I like on there. Next thing you know, I have 500 stretch videos Coming at me, then I find like a couple of recipes that I really liked. But if you
2: think Instagram's bad, don't you go near TikTok. That that oh, TikTok I, will have you down a no, rabbit hole really. like you wouldn't leave. I, I,
1: I think I think my TikTok days are behind me. I'm like I said, I just <laughs> I just wait. I tell my kids like I'll see it on Instagram in two months. So there there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's also very true. All right, just so make sure you follow John and uh, all of those places as if you're not already. Logan and I will be back on thursday with a fresh pod Uh, so we'll talk to you then thanks for listening to take
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds